Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and today on Resilience Unraveled, we're going to be talking to Clark Boozer. And um, Clark, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So, first of all, hi, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Russell. I'm glad to be part of your show. Brilliant. Okay. Well, why, Clark, where is it you're from? Because I can hear that twang in your voice. Obviously, not from these shores. Whereabouts are you? Well, I'm from Portland, Oregon, on the West Coast. Uh, but my people always tease me and say I sound like I'm from the South. I have relatives in the South. I've only been there a total of eight days in my life. So I don't know how I picked up this Southern draw. <laughs> you do. You really do sound as if you're from the South as well. So there you go. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about yourself. What is it, what is it that you do? Well, right now, I uh, on permanent medical disability. I have a, a very rare muscle disease that I've been living with for the better part of 20 years now. And uh, at its worst, I was in a wheelchair and given little chance to live. And at its best, I've been on my bike and rode 100 miles. So I have like my good days and my bad days. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't know which one of those days it's going to be. <laughs> wow. We better start at the beginning then, because that sounds fascinating. Tell us, tell us how all this started. Okay, well, let's. Uh, if you go back to prior to two thousand two, I was very active all through uh, my high school years and in college. I participated in sports, uh, either organized or intramural sports, and uh, I was active into just anything fitness. And so I used to spend all my time in the gym lifting weights. I had quite a few friends that were into bodybuilding, so they were actually trying to prepare me for my first show. And uh, right about, I would say, uh, 2001, I started seeing the first signs of the muscle disease. I um, was in the gym one day in Fresno, California, and I was doing some pull-ups. And I had this unbelievable pain in my shoulder, and I thought maybe I just blew out a rotator cuff or something. And uh, and so from there, things just kind of progressively just started getting worse. I noticed it became much more difficult to walk. I was losing a lot of strength. Even when I get on the cardio machines, I would find myself out of breath just after a few minutes. And I had no idea what in the heck was going on. So um, I went to the doctors and uh, first they told me I had uh, tendonitis and bursitis and I was just getting old. And so even though in the back of my mind, I knew that probably wasn't it, you know, most of us guys were very stubborn and I said, okay, I can live, live with that. And then it just got to the point where I could, I just kept falling down all the time. 
Wow. And I was uh, at my job at that time. I was working as a what they call a family intervention specialist in a public school system. And uh, I had knocked myself out. One of the uh, staff members picked me up, took me over to the nurse's office, and they called my first wife. Um, and she rushed me to the doctor's office. And uh, they started trying to do a bunch of blood work and all that. And it seemed like weeks would go by, months would go by. They didn't have any answers. And I just progressively started getting worse. And uh, I actually got to the point where I could not ambulate anymore on my own. So I had to be in a wheelchair. Mm. And uh, so finally, a doctor calls me in and uh, he walked up to me one day and he just had this, uh, or that particular day, and had this look. And I said, am I ever going to be able to walk again? He said, right now, that's the least of your worries. Wow. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you got some sort of major muscle disease. We don't know what it is. And it's also infecting your internal organs or affecting your internal organs. And uh, if we don't figure out what it is, you're probably not going to make it to see your next birthday. So, so that's interesting, isn't it? So you'd gone through this whole process to arrive at this point where someone was telling you it wasn't great but this sort of knew what it was is that right i mean this must have been horrendous but it, it, in a way it must have been justification that there is something wrong yeah i mean and uh my initial response was i was just pissed i was angry yeah and uh i can just remember uh, he was talking, but I wasn't really digesting anything. And uh, I just decided to, I tried to get up and I tried to walk. I think I made it two doors down the hall and I fell again. And uh, so, you know, they came, got in a wheelchair, wheeled me outside. And, uh, you know, I, kind of, I had like, almost like my mind went blank for a moment. And then I just remember I was in the car and I was crying. And my first wife was like, what's wrong? And I said, I'm about to die. Yeah. And at that time, you know, I was not prepared for it. I had my kids were about 10 and uh, four, respectively, my uh, daughter and my son. And, uh, you know, I was at a point where, you know, I finally got a good paying job and everything was going well. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be able to work. I'm not going to be able to sort support a family. And so I was just devastated. And uh, then, um, you know, I had it. my mom, she was a minister in the Episcopal Church. Uh, she had everybody that she knew this side of the Mississippi River praying for me. And uh, finally, they, they figured out, they called it polymyositis. And to this day, I'm not sure what that is. And in layman's terms, that just means inflammation of many muscles. Right. And uh, so they couldn't figure out what caused it. And they said it was probably an autoimmune disease. So they put me on a massive doses dosage of uh, prednisone. Right. I think they put me on, uh, what was it, like 50 milligrams right away. And uh, within a few days, like all the pain stopped. Yeah. You know, but uh, I just started, I was just so weak, I couldn't do anything. And then I was constantly hungry. Um, we take for granted so much of what we can do in ordinary daily life, like being able to uh, button a shirt being able to put on shoes, even being able to feed yourself. Those are things I could not do anymore. Yeah. And so at that point, I was just like, you know, I don't want to be here. And I was begging to be called home. But uh, I could think of, I figured this one night I was sitting, I somehow ambulated into the restroom and I'm sitting there on the toilet. And uh, I started kind of like choking 
and a lot of people that die from the disease they end up choking to death yeah you know because everything's like i said gets weak my lungs my heart my yeah. throat muscles everything and i was sitting there and I, I went to that phase where i felt like i was dying and i could actually see you know how you hear those near-death experiences where people talk about they're heading towards this light yeah. and i'm kind of like rushing through this light and I'm like, okay, this is it. And then all of a sudden, it's like I felt this hand almost push me. And it was my dad's voice. And he said, it's not your time, son. And so it was like I got pushed back into existence. And the next day, I had an appointment with my physical and occupational therapy. And so I went in there, and uh, my attitude had just completely changed. And so that was my first appointment. And they were giving me these exercises to do. And they had one of those ergometers that you pedal with your arms. And uh, my therapist, she's like, okay, I'm gonna put you on this thing. And uh, I want you to go for three minutes. And you know, me being a competitor I was, I said, I'm gonna give you 10. <laughs> she said, you can give me 10, huh? I said, yeah. She said, okay, good. Cause I need to go get a cup of coffee. When I come back, I expect to see you still pedaling. And so she walked out, I got to about two minutes and I was ready to quit. And I was like, why did I tell this woman I was gonna do 10 minutes? <laughs> And so next thing I know, uh, I just said, okay, the heck with it. You know, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I did it. And then she kind of made some notes on her clipboard and she said, okay, you showed me something right here. She said, if anybody's capable of beating this, it's going to be you. So, okay. So you're giving us quite a lot to go out here. So let's have a think about this. So you were saying that you'd reached rock, rock bottom in a way, hadn't you? You I, well, and so what was that like being at rock bottom? How, how, how was that? It was uh, depressing. Uh, like I said, I was angry a lot because I had no understanding. I'm thinking, what did I do to deserve this? So I was, you know, I was just mad at the world. I was mad at our creator. At that time, I was actually a uh, Christian as I, you know, I grew up in the Episcopal church. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was just like, okay, I have I been doing something wrong. You know, I thought maybe it was payback or something I did. <laughs> before. And uh, I just felt helpless, man. I mean, here I was prior to that. I mean, just a few months before that, it seemed like I was taking my kids everywhere. I luckily I worked in the school, so I had the vacation times off with them. Yeah. And I was, um, you know, I just always took them everywhere. And then to have my daughter pushing me around the house in a wheelchair, that was weird. Yeah. And so how long, how long are we talking about from the beginning, those first symptoms to, to that point being rock bottom? Okay, so it was that summer I was in Fresno. That would have been about July, maybe early August. And uh, then within a couple months. Well, oh, is that fast? Yeah. Wow. So that must have, I mean, because most people have these muscle wasting things that take place over years, don't they? So they have time to get used to them. But I guess this must have been a like a, like a cataclysm for you. It must have just, through completely being utterly not understandable at all. Yes, I mean, I was losing like five pounds a day and I went from this guy that had like a great physique yeah. to all of a sudden looking like I was on crack. As a matter of fact, I had a night job working at this club as a bouncer and one of the regulars walked in, she said, are you smoking crack or something? I said, I don't mess with that stuff. I, what are you talking about? She said, well, you look like you're getting smaller. And at that time I hadn't actually felt it that much, you know? And I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm still pretty big. What's she talking about? <laughs> and then when I stepped on the scale and it was like almost every other day and I'm losing like two, three, five pounds, just that quick. And I'm like, wow. So I went from 187 pounds down to 152 pounds. 
And, and during this period, did you were you conscious of your mind driving you downwards? Did you get into a sort of a negative cycle where you were thinking negative thoughts and then your body was getting worse? Because obviously the secret to this, you know, you're talking about the the five minutes, you know, the no, no, I'm going to do 10 minutes. That's all sort of mindset in a way, isn't it? Were you, were you uh-huh. conscious of the mind driving you into this spiral? Uh, very much so. And at that point, I hadn't developed the tools at that point in my journey to actually cope with that. And yeah. I didn't realize um, how much our mindset plays a role in our actual overall health and whether or not we survive something like that. And uh, so, you know, once I got into that mad at the world phase and I just really didn't want to be here because I figured if I can't go in a gym and do my workouts or if I can't go play basketball or tennis with my friends, then what's the point? Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't carry my son around. What's the point? <laughs> yeah. And then once you reach that, what's the point stage? Do you begin to self-harm or do you just begin to give up? How does that work? Well, I was just sitting around in a wheelchair right. at the house. And I can remember, uh, you know, there's a couple of things. That day I went to physical therapy. Then I had a day where I think this might have happened almost in that same week where uh, the cable man came by. We were switching from satellite back to the cable. And uh, I'd never seen this guy in my life. And he walked in and he took a look at me. He said, brother, I don't even know you, but God says you're going to be okay. Oh. And I said, huh. <laughs> you know, for him, because just the look on him, it was almost like he was uh, like one of those, you know, guardians that you hear about an angel or something. Mm. And uh, so then I started believing. I said, maybe there's something to this. And so after that, and that first day of physical therapy, I was... Uh, when I sit around the house, I would try to find little stuff I could do while sitting in that chair, like just trying to lift my arm up because I couldn't lift it up, you know, past like maybe chest level. And so I just kept sitting there working and just trying to lift it up. And one day I got it up to the above my head. And uh, I was like, hey, that's progress. And then I started pulling myself around by trying to dig my heels in the ground and pulling myself around the house in the chair to try to get some, you know, strength back in my hips and legs. Yeah. And, you know, it helped out a little bit. And, uh, but but b- before you started doing these physical exercises, you must have somehow made a decision to to attempt to do this. I mean, what what was what was going on in your mind? Well, uh, I think the main thing that went on my mind. I took a look at my kids' faces. My mother, uh, she was strong. My mother's still with me today. My dad had died like a few years prior, but it was just like I still got something to live for. Yes. And I think that was the first time I realized that I'm actually more than just my physical. And at that time, I didn't know what it was like, okay, I owe, I got to pay this karmetic uh, debt back. It's like, I was, I looked at it as a curse then, now I look at it more like a blessing. And I guess that's kind of when I first started realizing it was like, hey, if I share my story and I beat this stuff, I can probably change the mindset and improve the lives of a lot of people that are going through this. Yes. So, so, so your change in physiology and your change in the physics, you you put down to this change of mindset, yeah. You decided that I'm and I'm I'm not I'm not thinking for a second that this is an easy change. Uh, I mean, it, otherwise, it can sound a bit glib, can't it? Oh yeah, I just changed my mind and I got better. It, it's not that easy, is it? No, I mean, because you have your ups and your downs, of course, and I still have some of those today, almost twenty years later. But uh, I would just kind of like weigh the positives versus the negatives. Yeah. And uh, as I started talking to more and more people, you know, I talked to a few people that I actually gave hope to. 
And I said, okay, they can see me making progress. They're not as bad off as I am, I don't think. (laughs) So maybe, you know, I can encourage them. And then I had people contacting me and say, you know, I heard your story. Or, you know, I thought about what you told me the other day. And I want you to know that I'm doing this. And I'm like, okay, I'm on to something here. And so I I believe that's why I'm still here, you know, 20 years later. (laughs) So so the idea was, as you got better, you started to tell your story and started to help other people. And that's giving outside of yourself seemed to help did it right and i don't think that uh it was something that i consciously did i think this was something that was in my subconscious right and uh it just it really made me feel good so then i started uh trying to come up with different ways that i could share my story so my first idea was okay once i got back into the gym and started working out I was going to post a bunch of pictures of me being down in a wheelchair and then a bunch of pictures of me being up, you know, being able to lift some weights, uh, showing me getting ready to go back to work because I was out of work for several years and I was able to go back until it started coming back again. Then I finally had to call it quits. But um, I just, you know, it was going with the ups and downs and I saw that the positives outweighed the negatives. I was like, okay, this is actually fun. This is what the creator wants me to do with my life now. So, so it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people have very strong faith. And it mm. seems to be that, that the faith somehow helps. C- can you explain that a little bit for me? Well, you know, it, it, that's the key. It does help. And I don't care what your faith is. I mean, like I said, I was born a Christian and it wasn't until recently, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> it's all right. That I got into my um, African spirituality. Right. I kind of rediscovered that through uh, a counselor I was actually seeing introduce me to it. And then I started getting into meditation. And uh, <clears throat> the thing is, once you actually have uh, that way of you know reaching your inner self, life just becomes so much more easier. You start right. getting the answers. Uh, my, I had a therapist tell me, he said, you don't worry about the uh, hows, you come up with the what and the house will fall into place. Right. And I said, okay. And so um, the thing about <clears throat> my African spirituality that really helped is I got into, you know, you see the onk, which represents life energy. Yeah. And um, so I started realizing that there's so many different uh, qualities of life energy that we can enjoy. Yeah. And, uh, that in itself, I mean, just like uh, I said, meditation is a big part of what I do now. And so getting up early in the morning, especially now that we have great weather in this uh, late summer, is just, you know, getting outside, catching that sunrise, listening to the birds, looking at the trees and everything. Uh, that just it does wonders for me. Yes. So, and so that's interesting. A lot of people talk about this idea of um, going outside, you know, reconnecting with nature and all that sort of stuff. You, so you think that's that's important as well? It's very important. Uh, I mean, because we all are linked somehow. I don't care if it's a grain of sand, if it's the water, a human being, or if you, you know, extraterrestrials, whatever out there, everything in the universe is connected. What I do has an effect on the overall outcome of the universe. What you do has an effect on the overall outcome of the universe. And so uh, that's where I just really got into this um, whole uh, spreading the good karma. I've uh, studied a lot of Deepak Chopra's uh, materials. 
and uh, you know, just have a whole new understanding about how life works. And uh, it's about uh, forgiving yourself for things that you might have done in the past, so you can receive the blessings that are here. It's about you know giving, um, taking what you learn, what you've experienced, and sharing it with the world. Uh, you know, and that's all driven by my um, connection with our Creator. Yeah, which, uh, and it doesn't I, matter whether you have faith or not, or which faith it is, or no faith, or whatever. That that mindset though, that's the key, isn't it? That's the that's that bit, isn't it? It's it's how you use your own head and what you say to yourself and where you believe and what you believe in, I guess that's the thing that makes a difference, would you say? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have the power to do uh, anything we want. I mean, it's just like medical science still doesn't understand how I'm doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. And so what are you doing now? I gather you're doing all sorts of amazing feats. Well, just the fact that I could walk is amazing. And uh, I was yeah. um, a neurologist and a rheumatologist. They wrote me up in some uh, medical journal because, uh, you know, considering I lost all the muscle that I had on my body and I got most of it back. Um, and that's true. So what I do is, um, you know, I'm limited to the exercises that I can do. So I learned to work within my limitations. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't get on the bench and throw up, you know, 350 pounds anymore. Yeah, another guy, so that's two yeah. of us. <laughs> but I can get on a machine and put, you know, a few pounds on there and just go through the range of motion. And you yeah. can actually, with your mind, create the resistance. Yes. And so um, just it's, it's moving the muscles. It's, um, you know, breathing plays a big part in what you do as far as your overall health. Um, and, you know, nutrition is huge. Yes. So all that together just connects you which, and it helps you become your greatest self. And uh, I actually gave up eating animal products almost uh, two years ago now. Right. And so uh, I think that's uh, made me a little bit more conscious and yeah. I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with eating meat, you know, but uh, in my opinion, but it just didn't work for me. I figured I had an inflammatory muscle disease and they can link that to a lot of inflammation. So yeah. I said, let me cut that out and see what happens. And I feel well, that's a lot it. <laughs> you're, not, you're not telling anybody how to live their lives. You're just saying what worked for you. And that's what's fascinating. People can draw their own conclusions, can't they? Um, so what's, what about the feature for you? Where, where, do you where's, where are you going with all this? Well, um, I've kind of like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to get my, uh, get myself out there. I, you know, I, I do the YouTube thing. Um, I was putting a bunch of videos up on social media, but then one day it kind of hit me. I said, you know, the meditation part has been so good for me. I want to teach others how to do this. Mm. And so right when I said that, it's like the world was listening or Facebook was listening. I saw this ad for um, this instinctive meditation teacher training course taught by uh, Dr. Lauren O'Shea and his wife, Camille Maureen. And you know, when you look at Facebook, most of the time you're thinking that uh, the stuff is like fake. And so I, I did some research on it and I saw that Deepak Chopra, the guy that I study, recommends these folks. Right. And so I just completed my um, certification process for the, I'm just waiting for him to send it back with the cert certificate for uh, to become an instinctive meditation teacher. Right. And so I'm gonna teach others how to do that. Uh, I also like to use music. I started working on music. And so, um, you know, you can see my background here. That, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Dream of having that. That's just virtual. But I have a, a smaller scale one. But I've actually uh, just completed my first EP. Um, I'm waiting on the artist to finish the uh, artwork for the uh, CD cover. 
and I'll be distributing that electronically on um, the all the uh, local stream or usual streaming services. And I have a couple of uh, music videos up on YouTube now. And uh, brilliant. Also, um, you know, I don't know if my health is going to allow it, but I would love to be able to get back on my bike and do another Portland Century. Blimey. And for those that don't know what a century is, that's a hundred mile bike ride. I did one of those about five years ago. I think the time's going by so fast right now. I can't keep yes. up. Yeah, but, but especially with things being as they are. Yeah, wow, we're an amazing achievement. So, so um, how can people find out about you? How can um, people look into more what, what you're up to? So tell us how to find you. Well, you can find me on YouTube. If you, you can type my name, Clark Boozer, or if you just type in the um, YouTube uh, um, link or what do you call it up in the uh your browser and yeah. put slash clark c-l-a-r-k-e-c-b-o-o you'll find me i also do dj mixes on uh it's on a, a uk provider uh mixcloud.com oh, yeah. you go on to mixcloud.com slash boozadelic i do all kinds of um hip-hop and old school 70s and 80s funk mixes yeah, that's nice. another way. I just love making people feel good. I know how music does. So I like to take people yeah. back to the time when I just thought life was really fun through my mixes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you. Yeah, it's interesting. We come at the same subject from different places, uh, but we all we are saying the same things. It's about mindsets. It's about nutrition. It's about getting out. It's about exercise. And like you, I believe very heavily in the you know the power of music and such like so. Yeah, we may come at this subject from different places, but goodness, we certainly agree on so many different things. Yes, sir. And I've just got to agree with you on the, uh, and we've got to encourage you on the on the century thing, because, I mean, it's not something I'd ever do, but blimey, <laughs> yeah. that seems a good, uh, you could do it for me and you. That would be good. 50 miles each. <laughs> <laughs> Clark, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you today. So thank you for spending so much time with us. I really, really appreciate your time. And as Clark says, you can find him on YouTube and or and just type his name, Clark with an E, Boozer, into any um, of your famous browsers. And I'm sure you're going to find him, his information, no trouble at all. Thanks ever so much, Clark, for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.